Good afternoon, fellow gooners, and welcome to another episode of Canon Talk. I'm your morning, but as usual, Aiden. How's it, guys? A tough fixture against Aston Villa. I mean, them coming to the Emirates Stadium with all the results, you would say, kind of going in our favour and probably, you know, could have jumped a good few spots in the league. So, yeah, tough game. And I thought Arsenal would have come out for all guns blazing. No pun intended. Yeah, you know, it was a real uh, opportunity, as you mentioned now, with the results sort of going our way. To make also some daylight, you know, I always tell you, to start making a gap on, on, you know, the teams that were below us that usually are chasing the top the top six, top four. So I actually thought we were going to get some sort of distance between us and them. But I mean, it's more like uh, the team, of course, we went into the game unchanged from the Old Trafford match. And and I mean, uh, I didn't let you know at first when, like, you know, private conversation. But for me, where I was worried, you know, it was again our match, and we're again sitting up with two holding midfielders in, in the match. And I'm just thinking, you kind of setting yourself already up on the back foot because Villa already are see. Look, at the moment, the way Dean Smith has Aston Villa playing, it's just like one way. It's like a more attacking uh, feature to the game. Unlike if we remember last season when they sucker punched us at Villa Park, where yeah. they were just, you know, sitting back and then they knew they had the pace and they had to break on us and, and, and uh, eventually snatch. Or see the goal. This time again, we are like more on the back foot, but allowing them more of the ball. And I mean, uh, you know, the other plan was almost like hang out to dry after something like what for forty-five seconds. When yeah, I... they they tearing down the the, uh, the like as you watch from the, the television screen, they tearing down their left flank. Ballerin, of course, getting totally swarmed at that very moment, and. You, you can already see everybody is not even like on, on like on point, not on the ball. The ball gets crossed in, you know, the ball is kind of half cleared. And then uh, John McGill, or McGill, sorry, he ends up firing on the edge of the box. But uh, goal was then eventually ruled offside by VAR. But I mean, you know, very, very marginal decision because if you look at it right, he's not really interfering with Bernd Leno because the way that shot was coming at that pace, I don't even think with or without Barkley, that ball is flying. Yeah, you know, it's the same kind of decision you would say that we were it went against us against us against Leicester City. So, you know, consistency there. You know, I think we can't be too hard like there, but you know, we were lucky with that because I mean, <laughs> I really thought like really forty-five seconds in at home and we won all down, and and in my opinion. You know, you think to yourself, okay, that is a let off. Okay, let's wake up now and let's get our foot back in the game. I know you were a bit disappointed initially with the lineup. I looked at it at first and I thought, okay, you know, Aston Villa has been flying. Okay, besides the past two games now, up until the past two games, totally met us. And I just thought, you know, maybe Arteta is going for that, you know, 1-0 to the Arsenal type of result. Or, But I, th- I guess he should have started to get at Aston Villa when... With their, with their tails still being a bit down. But, I mean, 44 seconds in at the Emirates, I think, scoring like that. And I think they knew something's on here. And Arsenal didn't snuff it out. But, you know, I didn't... Also, right then, then, for me, it was like also a golden opportunity to right the wrongs. Because I thought, you know, there's already the warning shot being fired. But, I mean, Arteta just left things. The players just seem still in this little bubble in the head, so whatever, like, not really focused on the game. And I mean, Aston Villa immediately started smelling blood, and 
I mean, the way they came, like, really flying at us all time. And, okay, we had that one little moment in the 10th minute where McGinn ends up playing, like, a half-hearted back pass to Martinez, which kind of sells the keeper short. And, uh, you know, it almost gets intercepted, but man, uh, I think it was luck as it ends up fluffing the chance. Yeah, uh, we just weren't threatening enough, and just uh, I read a stat that, that Harry Maguire has more, had more shots than Lacazette and Aubameyang this season. Just shows you how um, little our strikers have been kind of troubling the opposition goalkeeper at the moment. And I mean, that's, that also moves me to my next point. I mean, Arsenal has an attacking set this season. It's shocking, and I mean, now it's like more and more pundits are actually now bringing a point forward because... Uh, before that, you know, when we're sneaking these goals, like, you know, the wins and that, the, you know, it's been like, yeah, they, they, they're managing, they, they have like this sort of edge them. But I mean, if you look at it all in all, it's been shocking because we, you know, from what we expected and, and we thought that the whole blend of, you know, that, that brand of football, you were not talking about the one or the Arsenal type of thing. You thought that, you know, that would kind of, uh, you know, mold itself into sort of, we're going to have that attacking outlet, we're going to have that strength in midfield and then that rock-solid defence. But it, it's anything but. Yeah, it, it's, we, we, we look brittle over the pitch and I think with Aston Villa's dominant midfield, we, we, we should have gone with a three as well. Yeah. Gone like a 4-3-3 or 4-2-3-1, but it just seems like we allowed Al Nenny and, and, and Pate to almost chase shadows in the midfield because they have a really quick paced team and Grealish at the time of his life, I mean, oh, it was, it was, yeah. a, it was a sickening to see, actually. Yeah, that I also now want to mention because I mean, Grealish is, uh, you know, he seems almost like that, that sort of player that we want Urzel to be where he, then you see Pop on the left side, then he's down in the middle causing havoc, then he's again outside playing on the right. And it's like you could never really pick him up or man him up. Man, uh, you know, get a man on him. And you could also see, I think, midway in the second or sorry, in the first half, when party was on the all these upper thigh concerts, like, you know, in between breaks in the game, you knew something was just going on there, that, that, that he's not going to be that mobile enough because he was probably coming into the game with a sort of injury. And I think, you know, the problem with our team at the moment, our whole team is kind of based around party being fit because... You saw, you know, lead, I know we'll lead up to that, but you saw when that knock happened to party, how brittle the Arsenal team was. It was like we saw the Arsenal team of, you know, a few seasons ago. It's lacking that presence in the midfield. And uh, it's just a warning sight to see. I mean, William again, you know, besides that first game of the season, I don't recall him doing much. And he struggled in this game. I mean, yeah. he's, he's leaving our right-hand side very exposed and, you could rather than try to maybe play, you know, uh, criticize him a lot, Pepe, but I mean, at least he would maybe try to make something happen. Or I don't know where we're going with this team at the moment. I know one week we were happy. This week again, we down in the dumps. But I mean, Aston Villa dictated how this game was. And you know why? Didn't Arsenal try to make a, an attempt for Jack Grealish in the summer, knowing that um, we don't have that attacking presence in the midfield or we would miss on out an hour. But it's just not happening at the moment, it's not clicking. And, you know, Grealish was by far the most dominant player. Even Ross Barkley as well, you know, after struggling for a while, coming back so strong. Then in the 25th minute, Barkley then, uh, you know, peels off on the left-hand flank. Because it seems the left-hand flank, or as, as people now watch, 
our right side, you know, was with uh, Saka or Pepe or, or I'm sorry, Ballerin also on, the, on that one side. Ballerin and Holding, yeah, that combination doesn't seem to and, do well. Yeah, because it's like everybody knows that is the weakness for us. And, I mean, he, uh, Barkley gets down that flank. Nobody's really, uh, you know, making a real effort trying to press him or hold, you know, like, kind of hold him at bait or uh, reinforcements around. But Barkley gets in across. He gets, I mean, he ends up whooping at the cross. A very dangerous area that we all know, the six-yard box. Nobody, you know, does anything to, you know, clear or attack the ball. The ball just goes to, from the one post to the other post, like, untouched. And uh, I don't know if it was uh, Trezeguet that came in on the back post, but he ends up almost like pressurizing uh, Saka to steer the ball past uh, the, the keeper and one or Aston Villa. You could see Saka was a bit on his heels as well. This is old team, wasn't switched yeah. on, but like if you watch that build up to the goal, I asked Villa were passing, it was like an Arsenal goal. It was like an Arsenal goal, they were knocking, running, running, Arsenal were just watching, and it was so embarrassing to see, and I think this was probably one of my most fuming results that, you know, Leicester game angered me, but you know, as we went the one down, this started angering me, and I was thinking, one down, how are we going to come back? We yeah. had a lifeline in the beginning, I didn't see a, a, another goal coming for us. You know, we, we, I was also thinking at that part that you're not talking about, as well as, uh, there was like a boxer softening up his opponent because the, at that point that you mentioned now with the knocking the ball about, you could see something was either coming or building up to something big because they were just knocking the ball around and, and our players were, you know, do I go in, do I back off? And I mean, uh, there was at one point also where Rob Holding makes a complete ass of himself where he's dancing forward, dancing back, dancing <laughs> for the tackle and and. You know, really going in for a, a, a solid tackle. But, I mean, what was that, that, that? The whole thing, the way everything was unfolding? It was like she was on strictly come dancing. <laughs> Jeez. It's, I mean, it's pathetic. I mean, the way you think, you know, figure out the song. And, and especially something like, like Jack Grealish. Why are you going to even give him that amount of space? Because look, he thrives off that. That You know, even it's like when you, when you remember, say so the... The flair players from Brazil or or Italy or um, France, even if you give them that one or two step, you know, gap on you, they're gonna do something to take. Or if, if I think of of like say Man City also, you give Raheem Sterling that like a few feet of a gap, he's gonna slalom pass and you're not gonna do anything about it. And we don't have anybody like that in the team. Arsenal, it's such a flat team. It it's must be so easy to play against Arsenal at the moment. You just shut off that front three, the game's over. Aubameyang is completely anonymous. Mm. Um, like I said, oh, I'm just getting so frustrated with him. And then, you know, like you said, William, like, he's doing absolutely nothing up front. And it was also embarrassing. I never said Kieran Tierney slip as well. Like, did he need... New It's <laughs> only <laughs> like a sort of motorbike kickstart. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, that being said, Arsenal looked at the loss. I mean, you can see all viable options that they wanted to go forward. Aston Villa already shut that down. And I mean, they didn't even need to do anything like what we normally see or talk about the, the two banks of four. They didn't even need to do that. They were just, every time they see, okay, the balls on the left hand side, it's just plug the little gap there. Then you could see Arsenal now they had no direction or whatever. They stopped and they turned and it's like going back to our goal again. Because I think, I'm not sure if it was like a total of the first half or the game completely, but Arsenal knocked more passes around in their own half than Aston Villa. 
Yeah, it's it's quite it's quite shocking and and you missed even the creativity of a centre back of David Luiz because that threat was nullified well because Aston Villa you could see were almost sitting on the edge of their own half. It was literally like watching Arsenal play against Barcelona. We made Aston Villa look like Barcelona because they were almost suffocating us. Literally the I mean, came to the Emirates, Aston Villa suffocating Arsenal Football Club. That just doesn't sound right to me. And then, I mean, like, 41st, one of the biggest, probably, miss of the game. And for me, for, for me, it was also a point where it could have been a sort of game-changer to get us in the game. Kira Tiena makes a fantastic cross, you know, like one of the arcing uh, balls that goes from outside to inside the box. Like I said, of course, I don't know, how he ends up himself in, oh, like, He's got already a head start run on, on the defender. And he somehow, I don't know, he bamboozles himself with the, the timing of his jump. So he ends up with a bullet header that, that zips over the crossbar instead of just <laughs> power down with it. I mean, you could see the goalkeeper was already expecting, oh man, I'm going to be get beaten here. And, and this is a crucial miss again. I mean, you know, I had like almost two opinions to this kind of thing. You know, like I said at the moment, yeah, he's missed crucial chances which could have landed points in a game for Arsenal. You know, you, you look at it and think he scores against Liverpool, 2-2, two, two, suddenly it's up. You know, against Leicester also misses a chance at a crucial point. He misses now. I mean, it could have been 1-1 one, one, and, you know, your tails are up. But my thing is as well, you know, should it be a case of we make so little chances that the luck is it, miss one miss in a game? Kind of is a talking point of the game, not the fact that we are not creating more than that chance. Because you know, up until that chance, I don't think you know you and I can talk about much that we've created. I mean, that's the the the, the almost the story of our podcast this past season. Basically, is that there's not much chances we're talking about, but maybe a golden opportunity missed, and we get punished for missing it. But we need to work on our attack to create more more chances. Because I mean. You know, I was just watching yesterday. I mean, almost like out of, of of being kind of despondent. I was watching the compilations of some of, of the goals over the last like, two, three seasons, and I was like, I said, they scored some cracking goals from outside the box, and you don't see anything like that. Of him. Almost like that, 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 that uh, confidence of he's so shocked. He's not even like really trying that. What we know that he's capable of that. That the rockets that he's like twenty five years, twenty years out. Now it's like he's trying to. Like pounds at anything between the six yard box and, and the penalty spot. Yeah, he's not that 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 lethal striker we saw maybe, you know, his first season with Emre. I think it was probably one of his best seasons at Arsenal. I mean, he wasn't too prolific, you would say, in his first season, but that second season he was really coming to to into it and then I don't know what happened. I don't know also why Maybe Arteta doesn't believe in him fully, or if he, if he knows that he's just in it. I don't know what, 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 what we can do to get his confidence up. Because I think, personally, my patience is running a bit short with him. Because we need a striker that's going to put chances away. I mean, you look at Harry Kane and Son at Tottenham. You look at you know even Rashford, uh, or you look at you know all these teams have this deadly striker. If you give them an opportunity. They will punish you. I mean, Salah, Mane as well. So, you know, Arsenal, I think, have, have, have let themselves down, especially in the first half of this game, you know, creating absolutely nothing. And it was comfortable for Aston Villa. But, I mean, remember I told you, I'm not sure if it was before the season started or 
we we already passed it until you know many preseason we had, and I said we need a forward uh, of, of stature. Not not I'm not saying it has to be a world class player, but somebody that can come in at any point and can be a sort of game changer for us. And then Arteta decides to go like knowingly. We have Martinelli out until just about the new year, and now you're going to have to depend almost like on Nketiah and Lacazette to get us out of the fire because uh, he really plays, uh, Ateta really plays uh, Aubameyang up as a main, a main line centre forward. So how, I mean, it's not like you're going to have to go limp and, 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 and <laughs> you know, you almost like you're limping to the to the uh, 2021 because you just don't have somebody that's going to fire you out. I mean, of course, we know uh, Nketiah just feeds on scraps and he'll normally, you know, poke home a goal. I mean, you can't expect him to, you know, lead a forward line. And when you expect that from Lacazette, he looks slow and laboured. The problem is Nketiah needs chances. And this Arsenal team is not creating chances. If you had to put Nketiah in, in, in that team, maybe with the Fabregas, Ozil, like at his prime, even Alexis Sanchez, you know, you, you could have had somebody there who could been on the end of chances and had that, you know, poachers finish. But we need somebody now that's going to make an impact. We actually miss a guy like Giroud. You know, somebody would make a nuisance of himself from a corner. You know, we, we're not really threats from a corner. Like Giroud would always, you know, make himself busy, get involved. Even if he was having a terrible game, you know, missing chances, he would still be that guy hustling and bustling, knocking into you. So we miss that type of player at Arsenal. And I just think we've, we've made a mistake as well, not bringing people in from the Premier League. You look at Jota at Liverpool. You know, I at Wolves, he was a, a really top striker. But, I mean, at Liverpool, it just seems like he's taking them up a notch because he's taking them out of jail when the main guys aren't firing. And I think we maybe missed a trick in going for Pepe instead of Wilfred Zaha. Somebody who was Premier League ready and knows how to, you know, ride challenges and strength-wise. So... Yeah, we, I don't know if we're looking for anything in January, but we definitely need it, especially since looking at this first half against Aston Villa, when the only thing we could talk about was the Lacazette miss. Yeah, so second half, we uh, Sebastian comes on for what was then confirmed as an injury for Thomas Party. I mean, very, very disappointed with that, because, I mean, you could see he was really off, off the boil, you know, in this match. Um, but... You know, no sooner we still kind of try to, uh, you know, set this, you know, in a, a, get used to the sort of thing in our mindset of our key player now. 48th minute, Trezeguet again has a, uh, like a, a solid shot saved. And I'm thinking, have Arsenal not learned anything from what was happening early in the first half? No, it, it just seemed like, I don't know what happened in the team talk or the dressing room, but whatever happened, it just seemed to go out the one year, and, like, you know, in the one year, out the other, because... It just seemed like they never had a half-time break. It just was carrying on one-way traffic again. And you're thinking to yourself, are we going to equalise? How will we? Because there wasn't... You know, in the past, we've seen Arsenal lose. We've seen Arsenal throw. We've seen Arsenal win. But you normally see that hint of, you know, they're coming for you. They're coming for you. They smell something. But they just well, we were just flat. Yeah, so Arsenal, then, of course, not tried to go into... Uh, you know, trying to change things up, which was, you know, I think it was something that all the Arsenal fans or listeners were now uh, like really paying for. Lacazette comes off, William comes off, on comes and Ketia and Pepe. And I'm trying to think, look, if you, you bring those sort of changes in, I'm thinking like with regards to Arteta, but you're still staying in the same formation. You're not really 
you know, mixing it up. And it's for, for me, even like after those double, that, that double, double substitution, it still looked the same and flat. Yes, it, I, you, you, with, with, with Pepe coming on, like, you know, you, you're thinking you would have, have seen something else. You know, he tries, yes, they say, like, you know, he, try, he tried one or two things, but after that, like, he becomes also so predictable, you know, okay, he's only going to cut in, so we nullify that as well. And Arsenal just looked so, like, there was no ideas, there was nobody with a creative mind that can, can see a pass. And I think we're missing somebody in the team that can see a pass. Yeah, so 72nd minute, uh, again, Arsenal, terrible defending. Barkley this time, you know, they get peeling off on the the left flank of theirs, our right side. Bellerin and, and uh, I don't know who it was on that side, it was Pepe as well. They, of course, get totally flummoxed with the, the, the running movement of uh, Aston Villa. Uh, Ross Barkley ends up getting a first-time cross. I mean, it was a fantastic cross when you look at it. Like just a cross. I don't know if it was. I don't. I'm not sure if it was. I mean, you can correct me. I don't think it was Grealish or somebody that either cross wheel pass towards him, and he first time like uh, Barkley for like first time just hits it across the the Arsenal goal. This about to do. I still remember jotting this down. Then Oli Watkins ends up stealing space between Rob Holding, Gabriel, and Kiriti, and, and he just bundles the ball two 0 Aston Villa. Yeah, I mean, Ollie Watkins as well. I think we missed a trick there with him as well. I mean, you know, even if you had to have him as your, your backup centre forward, he seems to be doing a much better job than Lacazette at the moment. So, you know, I'm not saying he's a better player than Lacazette, but he just shows a bit more heart and desire. And I think that's what some of the, that's what our attackers miss at the moment to try to get onto the end of things. And like you said, you know, 2 0 to Arsenal and you, in, in your mind, was it game over or did you believe that there could still be something coming your way? Uh, I mean, when I saw the body language of the players, I told my kids also, I said, this is over because when you saw that shoulder holding and then their shoulders were dropping and you didn't see everybody, you know, like get the ball and let's, you know, kick off again. You just saw yeah. that everybody's, like, the, you know, their heart was just gone and, you know, it ends up leading me now to the next point where Arsenal, I try, you know, some sort of... Uh, a sporadic attack, I should say. Stop getting the ball. Grealish, you know, just eats the ball. I think, uh, sorry, Grealish ends up uh, getting uh, a pass from Martinez. I mean, it was a fantastic intercept from Martinez. He, he just plucks the ball out of the air. And in that, almost like that same movement, he's getting the ball out of the air. He's already starting the move and Grealish is already bursting down the left-hand side. Bellerin, of course, is out tracking back, closing in on him. And I'm thinking, okay, get some sort of tackle or, you know, almost like do a clumsy, like just a bundle over. <laughs> Bellerin ends up bouncing off him and reminds him of shades of Co- uh, Cochrane and Eden Hazard. He can't really recover from that. And, I mean, uh, Grealish, of course, plays uh, 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 more Cesc Fabregas, like a type of pass. Eye of the needle, beats all Arsenal defence. Oli Watkins runs onto the ball and just steals the ball past Leno's legs. 3-0, Aston Villa, game over. Oh, one of the most embarrassing defeats, you know, that, 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 that I've witnessed as all, like in a long time. I mean, they just were all over us and we just got dominated. It was utterly embarrassing. And, you know, a lot of players need to also, you know, it's not just the coach's fault. The players also need to stand up and be counted and put their hand up and, you know, take a blame for this result. So, you know, this also now moves into the talking point section of the podcast. What's the fix in 
Yeah, you open. I think it's going to have to first be a formation change for one, and and and, and push Abamyang centrally until you know we can we can get like I said back into form somehow because and and just be a bit more attacking when you're at home or in games it's more winnable because there's no way that Aston Villa should be bossing us and I think that's short term up until we can get a proper playmaker in the team because otherwise we're going to probably see the same results and we need proper wingers as well Saka shouldn't be playing as a wing back he has good attacking presence he shouldn't be all time tracking back he should be you know one and one with their defender Five, um, six times out of ten, you know, all time one. That should be his job. Six times out of ten, just taking on the defender, beating the defender, playing a pass. Because at the end of the day, if Saka is tracking back, Aubameyang's tracking back. We're not utilizing the best of their abilities. We don't see Son and Harry Kane and those guys tracking back all the time like we are. So we kind of need to be less rigid and play a bit more smart and tactically better with a player that can create with us. Because if that's not going to happen, we're going to see more of this. Because, I mean, look, I, I've now watched most of the top teams, you know, like the top half of the teams, like the, the league matches. And it, I honestly think our transition from defence to attack is probably the slowest I've seen. Of Like, if you think of what we're trying to achieve, like, you know, to, to get where we want to be, sorry to say it's not going to happen. If, if this is going to be the team or the, the sort of play, our tether plans, it's not going to be us to get anywhere close to, let alone top six. Yeah, it's, it needs to be something drastically changed because you're, you're not getting the best out of your best players. I mean, I don't want to bring up Ozil, but you're paying somebody 350k a week. I'm not saying let Ozil play, but you could have used that money elsewhere and wisely on a player that you could have added. I mean, look at Wolves. You could have brought in a Raul Jimenez to help per attack, or you could have brought in... You know, you name a few players that Arsenal missed out on. Why couldn't we have brought in Decore or James Rodriguez? I mean, if you had been paying probably half Ozil's salary, you would have brought James Rodriguez into Arsenal. So, we're not, you can, we, we still play a, a goalkeeper that made us better. And we kept players that's not doing anything for us. So, that's where you have to blame the club. They're not getting rid of Deadwood. And now it's coming to show. And... Don't you feel that, you know, if Arsenal had to just be consistent with the results, look at Liverpool's injuries. They yeah. are going to struggle. They are going to struggle. City, you know, City's being City. They, what, call one. It's almost like the season Leicester won, where Aston Villa could probably end up in the top four if they keep on playing this way. I mean, this also goes now to this other point I'm going to make now of what's also doing my eating when I see some of the media or the, like, especially the pundits. I mean, the Arsenal fan base, I mean, not not too bad. I mean, of course, you get to the little pockets that, that go in this direction I'm going to talk about now. But, I mean, you get now the pundits. Eh? Like, I know for a fact people like Tony Adams, Paul Merson, had big gripes having Ozil on our books. It can go, you can go back a year, you can go back even two years to what I'm talking about now. And now, all of a sudden, they are coming out and they go, oh, yeah, why did you, the, you Arsenal missing Ozil or whatever? You know, thinking about where are you on this, this plan? Like, either he's good enough to play for the club or he's not good enough, but yes, dancing around the thing. Oh, I look weak. Like, look, everybody has, of course, the opinion, but I'm just saying, like, my personal take is Ozil will never fit into a side like this because you need, besides the attacking game or the creativity side, you still need to do the sort of plugging little gaps. And you just, I just don't see 
somebody of, of Ozil's stature or, or, you know, or mindset doing that sort of graft. I, don't, I just don't see him. And then, same way, you, you, like, you need somebody, like, like say, when you look at sort of create, creative people like uh, Kevin De Bruyne or, you know, what, say, Liverpool have, that is guys will go, like, even that Thiago Alcantara that, that, that they, uh, they got from Bayern, Liverpool, he, he, like, when he does play, he, you know he's going to get stuck in because you saw that sort of tackle he had to ride in, the, I don't know if it was the Everton game where they almost dog broke his leg, and he was still playing. And, and I, honestly, when, I, when you compare, say, a midfielder like that to someone that we want to now create goals for us, you'll never be, like, any of our creative attacking players will never be able to ride a tackle like that. No, no, no. If you, if you look at us this season, like, it, it seems like a Europa League win, you know, if you say, okay, you know, top six, it might be out of the question. But if you look at the Europa League, we, there are teams that would probably give us a hiding right now. I mean, I know AC Milan probably came off short again in the early game, but I mean, AC Milan will probably put us to the sword right now. And we just don't seem... I just don't seem confident. It's like my confidence went from like 100 to zero very quickly when you realize that teams have figured Arsenal out. They have figured out Klopp, Pep, you know, they, they, they thought of ways to, to figure out Arteta already because you thought, you know, Arteta has one up his sleeve again. And, you know, he just looks lost for ideas. I'm not saying he's not the man, but he needs to change things up because he could go very stale very quickly. Because I mean, if you think between... The last international break and this international break, we scored one goal. And that was not in open play. So, I mean, he really has problems with GS to really see too, because this can't go on if you're really, you know, you're trying to get some sort of European place again, because you can't also just bank, as you mentioned now, with the, with the Europa League. You can't just bank on that, because once that other teams are in third, they end up dropping off in, dropping in there. After the, the group stages are done in, in the, uh, the Champions League, you're going to have an even more competitive uh, Europa League competition. So, where to then? Because, I mean, uh, it looks like now anything in the top half of the table looks a pipe dream at the moment because it seems everybody's just moving forward and we're just stagnant or stagnating. Yeah, you, know, you have to, I think, go back to basics to a back four. I think 3 4 3 works at times, especially against your trickier opposition. Yeah. But, but my thing is, you need to get... I know Kieran Tini does make those crosses, but don't you think as a left-back, you'd be able to get forward much more than as a, you know, that third centre-back? I mean, it would freeze game up much more to be able to bomb down the line. And then you have Al Nenny, whoever's your holding midfielder, just slot in, you know, on any of those gaps, slot in. But it, it'll just add more attacking to our game because right now we are as blunt as probably a, worse than a button knife at the moment. Because, I mean... If you look at, at, at say, Trent Alexander-Arnold and, and um, who's the left-back? Robertson. Robertson. Look at the amount of runs they make for and I mean, Liverpool players straight back four. Yeah. But Dijk is there or not, they are still going to stick to the back four and they are still causing havoc because, you know, that it's not like the, 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 they, they uh, I wouldn't say like wing-back, they're not really wing-backs because... But they do that old, it's not like that old school type of, of uh, left and right back play, which I think, as you said now, get back to basics. Because it's like you see them bombing down there, but also the minute they surpass the the, the midfielders in the middle of the park, eh, when they have to now do that overlap runs, that guys don't just go gung ho also. No. Then they just sold the line in case it's a counter or whatever. 
yeah, and you, and you don't think like you know a, a left back and a le- and a left winger Saka and Tierney, you know, they could cause a lot of damage playing interplay with each other. And you have a Bamiang who play on the shoulder of the defender, and you know maybe give Pepe a chance to start. Maybe he can do a better job that way. But just right now, I mean, you can't have our best players not adding value on the pitch where you know you you bought him to. So I think that's the best way forward for us. And you know, then I'd also switch our attention now to one of those headlines that I saw that's not been popping up, I think, since this morning. Uh, Lucas Torreira is, of course, not happy now at the sort of game time he's getting at Atletico Madrid. And he's also now asked his agent, and I think he's asked Arsenal also to try to get him a, either a permanent or a loan move for for January. But I think it's, I think it's more permanent because I don't think he can do too many loans in one season. So I think it's looking for an uh, actual transfer for January to Torino. Because I think he wants to be back in Italy. I think he always felt, I think, more at home there. Because I just think, you know, look, Simeone is somebody, look, you really have to, you know, gain his trust to, you know, to, you know, be a regular. And I think now, he thought he was now walking into a side where he's going to be playing regularly. And that's, it's not really happening for him there. I just wish he could have eaten form in the first season he was at Arsenal because he could have been a big asset. And, you know, maybe even party can actually be a good combination together. You could go 4-4-2 then. But it seems like, you know, Atleta doesn't seem to have the trust of of Torreira. So, yeah, I just don't know. And he I, has a big conundrum on his hands. And then I just got, I think, two more final points, you know, before we end off the podcast. Um, Gabriel has been our uh, main player of the month uh, two times now. Perez getting back-to-back titles, he's got that. So, I mean, I just hope he, you know, can also build on from that because he kind of did look, quite bad in this. I mean, actually, it all came off looking bad, but I just hope I don't really dent his, dent his confidence too much. You know, like when by next week when we have the, the league season, uh, the league starting again. And the last point that I just wanted to make was that point that you made about uh, having a Giroud-like player. Now, I don't know if you've read any headlines or seen any highlights, but that player I mentioned to you before, I think that on the transfer window, the last day, deadline day, that we signed a player, Nikolai Muller. Yeah. I told you he's six foot something, six foot six. Yes. Seven. Now, he's been playing, I mean, the, in the Premier League 2, they call it, just like we all under 23s play from the different Premier League sides. And he's been doing like real fantastic uh, like job in that position because. He's like leading the line, he's holding the ball up, he's got everything you just mentioned that you said we're lacking. And I heard now, I think it was yesterday in, the, in the, one of the papers, they said he's actually now been called up Arteta to join the, like, you know, there's like still quite a few of the squad that aren't internationals and that are like still training. So he is now training with the first team and I really hope it can work for him because certain stuff when I watched him, there's a little clip or something out on Twitter about him, I think you just need to type his, his name in the search bar. It was like watching Giroud all over. The ball gets played, I think, route one from the keeper. And he gets the ball down, brings it, and I think one or two guys are trying to bump him off the ball. He holds both of them up. And then he just lays the ball off to, I don't know who it was, it came, I think it could be Balogun, who just comes through and let, lets her up with a shot to score. Yeah, I think maybe it would be a good, you know, give him a chance to maybe eat a line in the Europa League. Just something different even, because and Ketia seems to also... Be struggling to lean the line, or you could go old school four four two with him and Ketia 
You know, if you want to give the other guys a rest, just because Raven Ketia plays a better game when there's somebody up with him and he isn't the focal man up front. Like, you know, Ian Wright did, did probably better in a 4-4-2 than in any other formation because, you know, he's not going to do all those things that the straight number nine does on his own. Just want to look how he used to feed, like Ian Wright used to feed off Alan Smith. I mean, those listeners that used to watch them like Arsenal in the early days. That was like always fantastic to watch. Like it was like little flick-ons, little dinks or whatever. So you had like you know this tall lanky forward, and then you had the spicy the striker that, that leads the line. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just hope maybe this can be something. It can be add add some new dimension to Arsenal, and hopefully we can take it from there then and and build on it. Yeah. And with that, we in the podcast for this weekend. Take care, guys. Hope you enjoy. See you next week. Bye. Cheers, guys. Cold.